Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I am Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm your host, and I'm very, very honored that you are listening today. And the show is actually on listening, and it's listening versus hearing, and how that is so different many times, and the power of listening, and how sacred listening is, and how much people need to be listened and so, you know, I do that for a living all day. I listen. doesn't mean I don't talk. doesn't mean I don't engage. But part of making a, a good therapist, a good pastor, a good doctor, a good parent, a good friend, a good spouse, we could go on and on, is how effectively they actually hear what you're saying. And so, you know, we can hear a lot of things, but does that mean you're actually heard? Is the person really listening And so I have a couple of Bible verses that just really, I thought, were amazing and how it just comes from the Lord what really it is to listen and how important listening is. And so John chapter 1141, and this is out of the Amplified Bible. This is um, where God is, is praying for Lazarus. And it says, they took away the stone. Jesus raised his eyes toward heaven and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I I think that's so powerful. It's like, do we really feel heard when we're talking? And so John 11, um, 41 and 42, this is the same, but this is out of the Message Bible. And he says, Then to the others, go ahead, take away the stone. They removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. I know you always do listen, but on account of the crowd standing here, I've spoken so that they might believe that you have sent me. And so he has this deep relationship with God. And, and in, in the Amplified Version, he says, Father, I thank you, you've heard me. And here in the message, it says, I'm grateful you have listened to me. I know you always do listen. And we have that promise that God will listen. God will hear us, and we can be sure that we're heard. And so I say this to you today, and I want you to think about this. I can hear you, but am I really listening? And when I listen, have I really heard you? So Billy Graham does these question and answer things, and I like it. And, and, and the, the question was, is God really listening? Does he really listen to our prayers? And so this is what Billy Graham says. He says, one reason we know God is listening to our prayers is because he promised to do so, and God cannot lie. So the Bible says this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears our prayers. 
He promises to listen to us. And so the earliest uh, Jesuit missionaries, this is very fascinating to me, they made it a point to enter any new location, whenever they enter a new location, they make it a point not to speak for approximately six months. Instead, they just listened. They recognized the importance of understanding where the other was before attempting to educate them. I, I thought that was amazing. Six months without speaking just so they could really listen and really hear what was going on in that community, what they really needed, how to approach them in a way that helped them to actually hear the word and take it in. And so we also have this metaphor when it says uh, the word of the Lord, and this expresses what discernment essentially is. And when you see this in the Bible, it says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, and this is, this is a favorite image uh, among many Bible prophets, because the word of God is creative, it's energetic, it's enlightening, it's fruitful, and it's life-giving. And see, the prophet's gift and task is to have the disciple's ear. Because he wants that disciple to receive that gift of the word of the Lord. And so when, when the prophets were, were considering this, the word of the Lord came to me saying, they had to truly hear the word of the Lord, not what they think God is saying, but what God is truly saying, what God is truly saying to that whatever group of people, so that they made sure that because they truly heard the word of the Lord, they could accurately tell it to the people. And then it's the people's decision or willingness to truly hear and to really listen to what the word of the Lord is. See, spiritual direction, this is a type of ministry that's also care and support, and it focus on, focuses primarily on the relationship with God. And this originated also in, I think, around the first century, predominantly, again, with the domain of, of the priesthood. And it's evolved in its present form to the 15th century as this esoteric discipline that was practiced by men and women in the Roman Catholic Church. And this spiritual direction, this type of ministry, is, is a valid ministry for laity because it's used now. We have a lot of spiritual directive, uh, direction and that we work on with people as we are pastoring them or as, an, as lay counselors in the church that they do this spiritual direction. Some, some people call it spiritual formation. But the practice of this, the key component of that ministry is listening. And this has lasted since the first century. This is how powerful this is. And so we really want to understand what it means between listening and speaking and meaning. And so in a spoken message, 55% of the meaning is translated non-verbally. So one of the most powerful things about radio is that you have no other distraction other than the voice. And so that's one of the reasons that radio or podcasts are, are a much different experience than when you go and hear a speaker speak. So 55% of the meaning is translated non-verbally. Then 38% is indicated by the tone of voice, while only 7% is conveyed by words. See, spoken words really only account for about 30 to 35% of the meaning. The rest is transmitted 
through nonverbal communication. And it's also detected through visual and auditory listening. So it's a very complicated process when we are wanting to help people really listen so that they really hear us. So I, I looked at a couple of different um, studies that were kind of fascinating. And um, this one was Clark in 1989. And he said confident, what they found was confident individuals listen to message content better than individuals who lack confidence. I thought that was fascinating. Another one of his studies says being more willing to communicate and less apprehensive about listening and speaking is an indicator of a better a better listening comprehension. So when I'm willing to communicate to you and I'm less apprehensive about listening to you, I end up being much better at comprehending what I'm listening to. So both business practitioners and academics, they listed listening as one of the most important skills for an effective professional, except only 1.5% of the articles in business journals ever deal with listening and listening effectiveness. So, and this is, I really like, this, this is really fascinating. The study done by um, Cooper and Buckman in 2003, they said individuals agree less on the ratings of good listeners and agree more on the ratings of poor listeners. So we notice poor listeners far more than we notice good ones. Now, one of the things that therapists um, study when it comes to their education and counseling and is um, a, a particular famous therapist called Carl Rogers, and he created what we would say is a certain protocol, and it's called reflective listening. And it is, it is truly what, it, and the way he defines it is that when he's listening, that the listening is, is defined as making a statement that says back what the other person has just said. Exactly. Not a paraphrase. Not generally a paraphrase. So if a client says to me, I'm really not feeling very well today, I reflect back to them, you're really not feeling very well today. And one of the things that does, because I, want, I have no intention of changing anything or, or making a change in the person's experience, but what it does is it, it shows the person I'm listening, it shows the person I'm taking it in, it shows the person that I'm connecting with them and that I'm making them a priority. And many times when the person hears back what they're saying, they sometimes say, no, that's not really what I meant. And they will get better insight into themselves as to what's really going on with them. So they may give a statement back and say, now that I hear you say that, it's not that I don't really feel good today, it's that I think I feel really sad today. And so when we do reflective listening and we give that back to the person, they get a better understanding of what's going on inside of them. They are better able to explain to us what's going on with them. So it's, it's a way of also letting the person know that I'm catching what you're really saying. I care about what you're really saying. And, and I want to understand even better. So I'm going to tell you back what I'm hearing you say, so that you can say, yes, that's exactly how I feel, or no, wow, that's not really what I meant. So it's a very unselfish way of listening, and it's a very present way of listening. Now, you have to understand, tone of voice has a lot to do with reflective listening, because I can say back to you what you've heard. But as we talked about earlier in the show, a lot of how people experience things are far less about the words. It's about the tone of voice. So if I say back to you, you're not feeling very good today. 
That's different than if I say, you're not feeling good today. So it's very imperative that when we think about communicating and initiating people talking more to us, it has everything to do with how we listen and making sure that they are actually heard. So I, I, I want you to stay uh, with me because we're going we're gonna to really talk more about the sacred power of listening and what it really, what it really means and how much does the way we listen influence what is said and what people want to tell us. And so I want you to make sure, I want to make sure you come back and, and certainly listen to the next part of the show. If you can't, you can certainly go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and that show will be posted right on the website as a podcast. So make sure you join us again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you're just tuning in, I want to make sure that if you can't listen to the show in its entirety, then you can certainly go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and it's posted there. There's also lots of other great things on the website, and you can also find me on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can certainly find these shows as well on many of the different podcast servers. So we're talking about listening and listening versus hearing. And I'm sure that you've experienced that before where, where you know someone looks like they're listening to you. But their responses to you tell you that they have not heard a thing I've said. And so how much does the way we listen influence what is said? And I love this uh, quote by Henry David Thoreau. He says, it takes two to speak the truth, one to speak and another to listen another to hear. So I know what, in, my, in my life that I've experienced a lot of this, how does what, how people are listening and how does that impact what is said. And so I've done workshops before or presentations where I have rapt attention and people are just so tuned in and so listening. And then I can turn around another day and be, be saying the same topic to another set of people, and they're not even checked in. And it's amazing. I think to myself, how can this be? You know, yesterday, I'm like am- amazed at how attentive people are and how much they're listening, and I hear from their questions at the end that they really were listening and really heard. And the next day, it's a completely different situation. So I really realized that in that second situation, I started to adjust some of what I was talking about. I started to adjust how I spoke and the content. And it had so much to do with the fact that I could feel that people weren't as attentive. So I began to really realize that how we listen not only determines what we hear, but it also impacts what is said. And so this is a great, um, this is Zeno, he, he um, has a wonderful quote here, and he says, we have two ears and one mouth, so we should listen more than we say. And so this is what was, is really fascinating to understand when it comes to hearing. And I'm gonna, in the last part of the show, I'm really going to give you some neurological information about how the brain works and what listening and, and what our ears do versus our eyes, our mouth, our nose, all these things. So... Prior to about 3200 B.C., and this is when writing was first known, and it was used by the Sumerians and the Egyptians, 
listening and then repeating back what was said was the primary way people shared communication and knowledge, just like what Carl Rogers was, was doing in, in all this therapy practice. With this, with no way for us to replay or press, you know, the command S, you know, and save the essence or the message someone is speaking, those people had no choice but to bring their full presence to the moment and to listen closely because they weren't writing things down. that They were just beginning to write things down. So currently in modern times, the average human speaks at a rate of about 100 to 200 words per minute. And this is interesting. We hear at a rate of 400 to 600 words per minute. And we actually think one to 3,000 words per minute. I think God probably knew what he was doing when he made sure that we could speak slower than we hear and we think. So the difference between talking and listening speeds shows us that physiologically, we are more set up to listen than to talk. And the fact that our thoughts move three to times faster than our words suggests that there's a huge space for our mind to wander if we aren't fully engaged in what's being said. So part of that reflective listening helps me to stay present so that I don't check out halfway through whatever the person is saying, think about a whole bunch of stuff, check back in, you know, or take time thinking about what I want to say or what I'm thinking about what they're saying instead of actually listening to what they're saying. So I like this quote from Stephen Covey. He says, most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. And so we talk so much on this show about growing up, being a grown-up, being an adult. And one of the hallmarks of an adult is that they don't have a huge need to always be heard. See, little children, you know, they tug on us. They, mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy. They constantly want to tell us things. And so what you want to think about is the hallmark of an adult is one that can say, you know, I don't always have to add something. I don't always have to you know, put my experience into it. Yes, that's part of, you know, relationship. That's part of connecting with people. But my ability to just simply listen and just enjoy listening, enjoy hearing what this person is about, what they have to say. And so the way we listen impacts what we hear. So have you ever noticed how you listen different to different people in your life? And so we have this different experience where When I speak to one client, I might tell them a certain metaphor or analogy. I tell it to another client. The first client says, that is revolutionizing. I've used it so many times. That helps me so much. The next person says, nah, that that, that doesn't really, that's not helping me. And I've come to find that part of the reason that they didn't really hear like what I say is because it meant they had to change. Where the prior client was ready to change and wanted to change. And so the second client that really did not want to change but didn't want to say that just said they didn't like the analogy. Where a couple months later, I reintroduced it. And they said, that is great. I'm going to use that. And so we also find this with compliments. I compliment one person and they say, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I compliment another person. And they say, oh, you know, that's not really true. I don't really know how to do that. Or I'm not really that good at that. I don't know why you're saying that. Or they discount, you know, any compliment that you're giving them. And we find out that what's going on inside that person 
has a lot to do with what they hear. And so the physiological function of hearing, see, we don't have a technical way of turning it off, but we do have a way of selecting what we hear. See, we can, tr- we can close our eyes, we can shut down our, our brain, we can close our mouth and not talk, but there is no way for you to consciously turn off your hearing. It's impossible, which is, we're going to talk later in the show about why this is, and it's part of the alarm system of the brain. So we can certainly select what we hear, but we can't turn off our hearing. So a research study in the U.S. Um, recently revealed that that. On average, physicians interrupt 69% of their patients within 18 seconds of the patients beginning to speak. So this is, this is a, an amazing problem that we have, that we are working on at length with doctors, especially in med school, because we're finding that as we have to shorten the appointment times with, with patients, they are less willing to stop, relax, and listen, and truly find out what the patient is going through and trying to tell them. And so the listening completely is one of the most important aspects that we can do, and I'm telling you it is far more efficient. The better I listen to clients, the less I have to go back and fix things. The better I listen to friends and family, the less I have to go back and apologize or repeat so we're coming up on the, on the end of the hour. This is our hard break. So I want to make sure you join me in the next two segments. We're going to talk about 10 steps to effective listening and some really good research about the neuro- neurology of, of listening. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment. You can certainly visit the website. I love it when you do and give me ideas of shows that you'd like me to, to speak on. I'll see you in the next segment. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and always glad when you're joining me. If you're just tuning in, make sure that you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and you can listen to this show in its entirety, as well as many of the other shows that we, that we have done. Certainly visit me on all, all of the social media. I love it when I get comments and, and you're following, and that's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and that is Cynthia Hyatt. That's all, that's all you have to do is type that in, and you can find it really easily. We also have blogs on the website, so if you can't listen to the, the podcast, you can, you can look out on the blog and see a mini version of what we're talking about today. So we are talking about 10 steps to effective listening, and this is our shortest segment. It's only six minutes, so we're not going to get through all of them. So you'll have to listen to the last part of this to get the rest of these. So... What we really want to think about in this high-tech, high-speed, high-stress world, communication more important than it's ever been. And we seem to devote less and less time to really listening to each other. We just kind of listen in sound bites. We check in every now and then to every third word. And so genuine listening is a rare gift because it is truly the gift of time. If I'm really going to listen, if I'm really going to hear what you're saying so that you feel heard, it takes time. What I really want to encourage you, what I was saying in the last, at the very end of the last segment, if we take the time when it's there, we save a lot of time. A lot of our time is taken up by going back and having to redo a communication that we weren't fully engaged in and we, get, we missed big pieces 
of what was being communicated. And we have to go back and fix mistakes and say, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you said that. Or no, I said 2 o'clock. Oh, I thought you said 4 o'clock. That's why we missed each other. And so part of really taking the time that you have and really being present saves you time. So this piece, this, this part of, of, of um, being attentive and relaxed helps me listen. So this, this next really effective tool is being attentive and being relaxed. You make eye contact and you relax. You don't have to stare fixedly at the person, right? But you want to soften your eyes and you want to look at them. And you certainly can look away and, and, and you know, like a normal person. But it's very important that you give initial eye contact to indicate to the person visually that you're attentive, that you're interested. And so we want to be present. We give attention. We apply and direct ourselves to paying attention. When we start to lose attention, we pull ourselves back in. And we say, this is the time for me to do this skill. I'm not going to multitask in my brain because we actually know that there's no such thing as multitasking. There's, they're simply shifting our attention. And so this, this is incredibly important that we mentally screen out distractions like background noise, activity, that we really focus on, on the speaker. We look at their face. We look at their eyes. We look at their body language. We, we say to ourselves, what am I feeling when they say these words? So that I can have really very insightful questions. And the more interested the person that, that I'm listening to feels, the more relaxed they are going to be, the better the information that I'm going to get. The more authentic and, and the more truth-based that information will be. And I try really hard to not be distracted by my own thoughts or feelings or biases, but to be aware of them to see if, that ha- if that's giving me any indicators as well. So when I hear someone speaking, and I'm, and I'm hearing emotional language, but I'm not feeling anything, then that's an important indicator. I might say to them, you know, I wonder, is that really how you're feeling? Is that, is that really what's important to you? Or I, I'm really interested and so that helps the, the, the person talking to maybe clarify what they're really saying because they may feel like I'm not hearing. So we also want to keep an open mind. That's the third really important uh, skill that we want to have when we want to be a very good listener is that we want to keep an open mind. We want, we want to make sure that we are not predetermining what we think they're going to say or that we already know what they're going to say and so we're bored that we really keep an open mind and say to ourselves, you know, that statement sounds a little odd or off, but I'm going to keep listening to make sure that that's really what they mean. And that we don't predetermine before we speak to the person who we think they are. So we don't do that when we look at the way they're dressed or the way we, we don't judge the person by these external things. What happens is after we listen for a long time, what we initially thought may be true. But many times, the initial judgment we had is very different after we spend time listening. So we want to keep an open mind. We want to make sure we don't have personal biases that are clouding our judgment or causing us to not hear truly what they're saying. And we want to make sure that we're relaxed and attentive. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we finish talking about 10 effective listening skills and some neurological information about listening. 
Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and thankful that you are joining in and listening because today's show is on the art of listening. It's listening versus hearing. It's this idea of, I can hear you, but am I really listening? Or when I listen, have I really heard you? And I gave in the very beginning of this show two really powerful verses that I just really love. And the first one is John chapter 11, verse 41. And it says, they took away the stone. Jesus raised his eyes toward heaven and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And the message version of that verse verse says, Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. I know you always do listen. And I want to add this third verse. This is James chapter 1, verse 19. And it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I think it's very insightful when you think about this verse because God is saying, quick to listen. If we're quick to listen, slow to speak, we probably won't be as angry. And so many times, I'm sure you've had that experience, that someone started saying something and you heard it, it incited something, you quickly said something back, they got defensive, now you're defensive, and all of a sudden we're angry. We have to all calm down. And then as we try to fix it, we finally come to this conclusion of, oh gosh, we just misunderstood each other. Whereas if I'm willing to be quick to listen and slow to speak and recognize I have time, I don't have to do something immediately. I don't have to immediately interject my thought, my opinion, my need, whatever that may be, that I want to really relax. And that's part of when we were talking earlier about being an adult. An adult can wait. An adult doesn't always have to say their opinion or always be heard. An adult really can sit and listen and determine whether or not they have something valid to say or helpful or a question. But they can wait. And sometimes people even have a piece of paper and they just write something down. So they go, you know, I just, I just want to remember that I want to ask you this. So that they don't interrupt the flow of the person that's speaking. So we want to really, we left off on this last one in terms of effective listening skills, that we want to keep an open mind. So we, we want to listen without jumping to conclusions. And we, we don't want to be a sentence grabber. We don't want to interject. We don't want to talk on top of each other. Now, I say that with a little hesitation because I have some friends that that's part of our temperament. And so we do talk very fast. We do interrupt and we do interject, talk on top of one another. But I'm very careful when I'm really talking with people that I make sure I understand their temperament and their style. And if that's something that's hard on them, I don't do it. I practice self-control. And, and I give this example many times. My husband has a different temperament than I do. And so he's a very methodical thinker. And I'm an intuitive thinker. So I think five things at one time and I want to say all of them. And so I'm very careful to not interrupt his train of thought. And I'm very careful to let there be open space so that if he has another thought, I haven't already interjected and talk and started talking already. So I listen differently with him than I listen with some other people in my life. So this fourth one is 
Listen to the words and try to picture what the speaker is saying. So you want to allow your mind to create a mental note of the information. And whether it's a literal picture or arrangement of abstract concepts, whatever it is, it really helps to stay engaged. And this helps when listening for long stretches. You concentrate on it. Remember key words and phrases. And and I've, I've often taught this, that one of the most effective things you can do is repeat back in your head what the person is saying, which causes you to stay intent in listening. And that helps you not to think your own thoughts and get lost in your own thoughts and then have to realize, oh my gosh, I stopped listening. So it helps dramatically, but I really want to be an intentional listener to be able to repeat back in my head what that person is saying. Then when there's a break and then I give them some reflective listening and I say back to them what they said, I can't tell you how very valued people feel when you do this. And so we want to be careful about the interrupting and the interjecting and talking on top of people. So another one, six, wait for the speaker to pause to ask clarifying questions. So again, when you don't understand something, you of course should ask. But rather than interrupt it, just wait until they pause. And if they're not pausing, write it down. Because what that does is that inadvertently and very politely indicates to to the person speaking that you have some thoughts. And they may even stop at that point and say, oh, did you, did you have a question? And so that helps tremendously when you really learn to pace yourself with whoever is speaking. So I have some clients that talk very fast like I do, and I match that pace. I have other clients that are very different, and I match their pace. I match their body language, and I match their tone. And it helps really to connect and have them be heard. So I also then, number seven, let's think about this. We ask questions only to ensure understanding. This is very important. I don't ask a question so that I can jump in and give my own opinion. I don't ask a question so that I can open up space for me to talk. I really ask a question if I want understanding. And so this is, think of this. There's these times when your friend jumps in and says, oh, I haven't, oh, I have that same problem. I've done that too. I want to go to that place as well. Or, oh, I've been there myself. And the person is not even finished with their story. And so these affronts happen very frequently. And then the person many times just shuts down. And you think you're contributing. You think you're connecting. And that's a different style of communicating and a different style of uh, a different temperament. So there are some people that works really well with it, causes them to continue to give information because they feel heard and they feel like you're participating. With many people, it shuts them down. So you again, you figure out what's this person's style. So you, you try to also, the second, the, the eighth one, try to, try to feel what the speaker is feeling. So if you feel, feel sad when you're hearing someone express sadness, one of the great reflective pieces you can give is you know I'm feeling that when I hear you say that I feel that for you that's a highly connective thing to say and the empathy that the that the, that the person is going to feel from you will cause them to want to give more information and it causes them to have greater intimacy and greater connection so we want to give whoever is speaking regular feedback as long as we are doing the other speaking skills 
and listening skills, which means I'm waiting for you to pause, which means I'm pacing myself with you, which means I'm truly listening to what you're saying. So when I give you feedback, it's, it's relevant and it's connecting. So I think that, that one of the most important things that we really want to think about And I like this quote. This is Ed Cunningham. He says, friends are those rare people who ask how we are and then wait to hear the answer. I mean, that's so convicting to me. Friends are those rare people who ask how we are and then they wait to hear the answer. So I want you to also practice this idea of listen to to your listening So as you enter different conversations in your day-to-day, take some time to tune into how you are showing up as a listener. Are you present? Are you mentally checked out? What are you paying attention to? Be aware of how your listening impacts the person speaking. And see what happens when you bring yourself fully to the space and listen for the quote-unquote gold of what they're saying. So we're getting close to the end of the show, but I wanted to just give you some really interesting information about hearing. Because hearing is vastly under, a vastly underrated sense. We tend to think of the world as a place that we see, that we interact with people. It's based on how they look. And studies have shown that conscious thought takes place at about the same rate as visual recognition. And that requires a significant, maybe requiring a significant fraction of a second per event. But hearing this is interesting, is quantitatively a faster sense. Now, isn't that interesting? That thinking and and seeing are slower than hearing. That goes, this, now this is science proving what God's telling us to do. Quick to listen, slow to speak. So while it might take a full second to notice something out of the corner of your eye and then turn your head toward it, recognize it and respond to it, The same reaction to a new or sudden sound happens at 10 times as fast as you recognizing with your eye. This is because hearing has evolved in many ways. That's that's part of the process of of mammals is that it, it has become more and more an alarm system. And it operates out of line of sight and works even while you're asleep. This is one of the ways that God has created us so that sleeping can be safe. Our hearing never goes to sleep. And so there, there's a complex and automatic volume control. So fi- fine-tuned development and experience keep lots of different sounds out. There's lots of things that your brain tunes out. But your, your hearing never goes to sleep. And so attention is not this monolithic brain process. These are, there are different types of attention, and they use different parts of the brain. So the sudden loud noise that makes you jump and activates the simplest type, this is the startle response, and that's a chain of five neurons from your ears to your spine, takes that noise and converts it into a defensive response in a mere tenth of a second. The, the design of us, how God has created us, is amazing. So that startle response then elevates your heart rate. That means hunching your shoulders and making you cast around to see whatever your head is going to pounce on, whatever you think is going to, you know, whatever is going to, bad thing is going to happen to you. So the simplest form of attention requires almost no brain at all, no brain activity at all. And it's observed in every studied vertebrate. 
This is part of how God has created um, animals, animals, people. And it's, it's, very, it's very fascinating because the more complex attention kicks in when your name is called from across a room or you hear an unexpected bird call from outside or inside a subway station, right? The stimulus-directed attention is controlled through pathways through the temporal, temporal lobe, and it's, and it's very, very quick. It's called like a bottom-up response. So when you pay attention, anything you're listening to, whether it's your favorite song or, or any, any, any dinnertime issue, the, that, this, this neural pathway comes into play. And your ears are m- far more attentive than your eyes and your thoughts, even though we feel like we're using more of our thinking and more of our, our vision. So hearing, it's short and it's easy. And it's a skill, listening is a skill we're in danger of losing in the, in the world of all these digital distractions and all the information overload. But we dare not lose it. Because listening tunes our brains into the patterns of our environment faster than any other sense. And paying attention to these things is far more effective in ensuring safety of relationships, safety of ourselves, and not missing what God has for us. So you never listen is not just the complaint of problematic relationships. It's also epidemic in our world right now. So the richness of life doesn't lie in the loudness and the beat, but in the subtle and various variations of the emotional relationships that you are in. So you need to simply pay attention. You need to be slow, slow to speak, quick to listen. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me next week. Have a blessed week. And make sure you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Check out all the social media. And I look forward to talking with you next week. Thank you for listening. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at FaithTalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.